Welcome to GRE Snacks, snackable episodes about the GRE exam and graduate school admissions. I'm Tyler, the founder of Achievable, and we have an affordable GRE course that includes everything you need to ace your GRE exam. Full textbook, tons of GRE questions backed by our memory-enhancing algorithm, and full-length practice exams. You can try it out for free at achievable.me, and if you like it, the code podcast will get you 10% off at checkout. Now, let's get started. Today, we have Linda Abraham and Dr. Karen Ash from Accepted on the line with us, and would love if you, uh, you guys could both introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit more about your company, maybe starting with Linda. Okay, great. Thank you very much, Tyler. Pleasure to be here. Um, I'm Linda Abraham. I founded Accepted in 1994. Um, we provide all kinds of resources for graduate school applicants, including uh, applicants in the various psychology fields, both PhD, PsyD, Masters, uh, including blog posts, free downloads, advice on essays, uh, experience, GPA repair, all kinds of things. And we also have outstanding consultants to provide one-on-one guidance for you, as well as the free resources available on our website, accepted.com. And I'm Karen Ash. Um, I've been with Accepted for eight years. Prior to that, I was director of career services at Cornell University, also ran their MBA career office. And when I retired, was coaching uh, engineers for five years. My undergraduate degree is in psychology. And I knew I always wanted, even at that time, had the thought of wanting to do some kind of counseling at a university setting and got a master's in um, higher ed counseling and ended up after working at four different universities at, I ended up at Cornell. And while I was working, earned a PhD in organizational behavior and educational psychology. Great. Well, that's fantastic. And makes you great people to talk about today's topic, which is how to apply to and get in to psych and psych is short for psychology. We'll be using both a lot, um, graduate programs. And I, I'm really excited for this topic because it's something that we don't get a ton of coverage on, right? Um, I think, but I think it's a pretty large group. I mean, when I was looking even at the uh, different planned majors of GRE test takers, psychology was actually one of the f- largest ones and also one of the ones that's growing. Um, so this is still a field that has a lot of interest and is one that is um, graduate school can, is a very important cornerstone step to your career, right? To really kind of establishing, establishing yourself as an expert uh, in, this, in this professional field. So I think to start, just to kind of lay the groundwork, if you guys could walk me through the process, right? Because like we talked about before, MBA admissions programs, there's an admissions committee, it's kind of like undergrad, you know, some like STEM or other kind of PhD programs are more like you're getting interviewed, you know, by the professors that you're going to be actually studying with or even working with in a PhD. Um, so where does psych fall in this universe of, of ways to do it? <laughs> and how do we, um, yeah, how do we account for that when we're making our application? Well, I think it depends very much on, on the applicant's goals. 
Are they aiming for a PsyD, a, a clinical applied kind of psychology program, or are they going for a PhD where research is going to be a major component? Um, if you're talking about a clinical psychology program, then most graduate programs are going to want to see uh, clinical exposure, at least you know, helping the homeless, uh, maybe um, being a residence assistant on the, on the college campus. Um, I think in all cases, they're going to want to see some evidence of interest in psychology. Were you a psych major? Were you taking psych classes? If you weren't a psych major, um, they're going to want to see also, again, it'll, it, it'll, the application will probably go to a graduate admissions office and then to the particular department. They're going to want to see that you have interests that match the interests of the department. Are you interested in Freudian psychology? Are you interested in um, you know, cognitive behavioral psychology? Are you interested in educational psychology like Karen? Uh, maybe industrial psychology. And that's not really an approach. It's more of a, of a, of a goal. But there are many, many different um, uh, approaches in psychology. Do you identify and have interest in the approach of this particular program? One of the um, areas of psychology that's becoming quite popular these days is human factor psychology. Hmm. Human. What is that? I don't even know what it is. Human computer interaction. How do uh -huh. you ensure uh -huh. that the people who are working with computers all day long, that they're also, um, you know, they have what they need psychologically and organizationally to be able to be productive. And, um, and it's not just computers. It, it, it's really like organizational behavior. It, it's another word, for, but they emphasize the human factor. And, uh. and, and of course, computers are the last 30, 40 years, they've become ubiquitous. So I had a conversation with a, a prospect yesterday from Rwanda. Oh, wow. Wants a PhD in human factor psychology. Wow. Okay. Yeah. No, that's, a, that's really interesting. And, and so once you've got kind of your specialization down, or you at least can speak to the specialization of the school and why it's interesting to you, um, what, are, what are the other parts of your application that you should really be thinking about or focused on first, right? I mean, I think obviously grades, right? But maybe grades aren't as cut and dry because I don't know, at least when I was in undergrad, like, I mean, I went to Carnegie Mellon, which um, I don't know what their psychology program is like nationally or anything like that. But they, a lot of the psychology that I took was business related because I was in marketing. Right. Um, and so, you know, I'm interested like kind of how within the psychology universe, maybe like, different courses are perceived or sort of even if it's like different schools are perceived differently or if there's anything sort of out of the ordinary that you need to account for when you're a psych major going through undergrad classes. I'm not sure on that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure even sure I understand the question fully, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, again, they're going to want to see that you have a genuine interest in, in the course of study, that you're not just postponing adulthood by going for a graduate degree. Okay. Right. Um, which one of my offsprings at one point tried to do, but um, <laughs> um, you know, so I, th I think you know whether 
And then again, there's a, a fit with the program that you're applying to. So, mm. you know, if you're interested in human factor psychology and there are no pro classes in that program on the graduate level and there are no professors researching that, you don't have a fit. And whether the right. graduate admissions office will see it, probably not, or the psych department will see it, absolutely, there's no, mm. not a fit there, whatever your grades and test scores are. Um, so, you know, I think uh, you have to do your homework, you have to do your research. You also won't be happy there. Right. Did, I'm well, not sure I answered your question. Your no, I'm not, but I'm not sure I answered your question. I guess my question is just other than taking the psych classes in undergrad and getting good grades in those classes, which is kind of standard advice for almost anything. Is there anything else that psych oh, yeah. okay. majors should be thinking about? Yeah. All right. Thank you for clarifying. Absolutely. They should be okay. getting involved in, in uh, programs where they're going to be working with people in some kind of emotional distress. Again, that, that could be mm. being a residence hall advisor. It could be working in a homeless shelter. It could be uh, helping perhaps in uh, some kind of drug rehab place, uh, you know, hospice. Um, unfortunately, depression is, is rampant among the, the elderly, especially in, in those on hospice care. Um, so there's lots of opportunities, unfortunately, for people to interact with those who are having emotional problems. And I think that is something that most, if not all psych programs will be looking for. Karen, what do you have to add to that? You know, I think, let's say you want to go into evolutionary psychology. You better show proof of having taken a lot of uh, science courses as right. an undergrad. Like biology, right? Right. right. If it's um, forensic psychology, then you have also a lot of science. So it depends on the, the field. You know, psychology has many different subfields. What is your subfield interest? And, um, you know, you better show that you've taken coursework appropriately and activities, uh, internships appropriate. Right. I think that's my main point, but thank you. It was great. Great addition. Yeah. No, I think, I think th that's a great answer. Thank you. Um, and yeah, I think then, I mean, that's a good segue to talking about work experience, right? Um, you kind of mentioned like relevant internships. I mean, is there usually kind of a straight line internship that makes sense for most of these programs, right? Like if you're trying to do human factor psychology, then like maybe you work on a user experience team at a, at a tech company as an intern if you want to do say forensics then probably should work for a police station is that even allowed maybe a um, legal clinic a legal clinic right legal clinic that that's not a good one yeah so are there generally like sort of like straight line internships for most of these things i think it's very hard to get um internships in the field different from mm -hmm. engineering or you know pure science Many programs that we're talking about aren't always funded well. And so mm -hmm. hiring interns becomes expensive. And what I have uh, suggested to students over the years is even if you can volunteer in some capacity, even if it's shadowing somebody in a profession, mm -hmm. 
where you don't get paid, but you spend days there just absorbing and learning about what they do. Um, you know, ideally, yes, you get a paid internship, but it's, it's not easy. Right. And then as far as the work experience goes, I think you, you know, the sort of guiding rule is just you want it to be relevant to the specialty that you're looking to pursue. Is that roughly right? Correct. Absolutely correct. And then is there anything else that you can do to kind of get a little bit more f like meat on the bone on the resume point of view? I mean, you, Linda, earlier mentioned going and volunteering at like a homeless shelter or things like that. I thought that was a really good uh, addition. Um, you know, are there other things like that, right? Like, is there maybe, um, you know, I don't know if this is a thing, but I'm like, just curious, like, are there like mental health resources on campus that are student volunteer run or anything like that or not really? You know, that's the issue. It, you have to be certified to be able to work with clients. And right. so there's few positions available for the non-professional, but yes, you can ask, you can work in a mental health facility at the front desk, or perhaps they have peer counselors where, which is an un, probably an unpaid position, but you're trained. You could be trained for a hotline. Mm -hmm. um, right. Suicide hotline too. Right. The other thing you could do is beyond your undergraduate degree courses, take online courses, as many as you can fit in, um, in, in your subfield, you know, wherever you can find them that maybe aren't offered at your own school. Right. And then anything like as far as TAing or just, you know, TA site classes, if you can, is that about it? Yeah, I mean, I think that that'll sure, sure, that'll that'll help absolutely. That demonstrates interest in the field and to a certain extent excellence in the field because you're chosen to be a TA. Also, it's not just that you apply; it's both. Right. It it's helpful more if you want to remain in academia, right, than if you want to go into industry because most TAs end up um, proctoring exams and grading. Um, they're not really lecturing. They might hold weekly discussion sessions with the students yeah. after the professor has lectured. So mm -hmm. that's more helpful for the academic setting. They may also have right. office hours. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I, think, I think the key thing in, in terms of experience, again, is, is the element of what do you want to do with a degree? I mean, you might just be exploring, okay? I'm interested in psychology. I don't know what area I want. Okay, then explore different things. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and any of those volunteer options are a good place to start. Um, if you know the direction you want, then you know you should be trying to get experience, courses, whatever that's related to the direction you want to go in. Right. Without being rigid about it, by the way, you might find that you take a class and. You turn, you know. You mentioned a straight line a couple of times. I think it's better to think of it as a curvy line. Life doesn't <laughs> usually go in straight lines. Right. Know? So you, you have to be willing to change as you get additional input. I used, Go ahead, Karen. I used to uh, use the image of a pinball machine and how the ball <laughs> goes this way. Caroms off the walls. <laughs> bouncing off the walls because so often – 
in life, things happen by luck. And you can try to organize your luck. But so often I would hear from students, oh, I sat next on a plane next to a man who told me about a, a possible job in his company. Right. You know, they couldn't have planned that. Right. You know, mm -hmm. see, and, and you just don't know where that little treasure is going to happen. And you, so you have to be open to it. Right. Yeah, you have to kind of, it's like you have to do lots of preparation in order to set yourself up to be lucky. Yeah. Richard Bowles used to say, you have to organize your luck. Put I think Louis Pasteur. Places so that luck can happen. I think Louis Pasteur had a line, chance favors the prepared mind. Yeah, same. I, I like that one a lot. Um, great. And so then let's talk about sort of the last two components of this here. The first, and this one I bet is a big one, is uh, essays. So when you're writing your essay for psych grad programs, like what are the key things to know? In, okay, so a psych essay is usually called a statement of purpose. Um, I had a friend whose daughter was applying, dear, very close friend, whose daughter was applying to psych programs, master's in psychology programs, and she was struggling with her essay. She actually is a very good writer, and she came over to show me her essay one day. This was just as a friend. And I read her essay, and it was pretty bad, <laughs> right? And I said to her, what, why do you want to go to this? Why do you want to pursue this graduate degree? And she says, I don't know. I said, how do you expect to write a statement of purpose without a purpose? <laughs> it's pretty hard right. to do, if not impossible. So anyway, she, I said, you had homework to do. You got to figure out why you want this degree. Um, and she, she went home and said, you got you to research it. And that's every applicant, in order to write a statement of purpose, and that's what the essay is, has to know why they are pursuing the degree. What is their goal? What do they want to be doing after they get that degree? Mm -hmm. Then they have to look back at their life and say, okay, how did I get to this? How did I develop this goal? And how is this particular program that I am applying to going to help me realize my goal? And that would include what professors are you going to under study under? What courses are you most interested in? If extracurricular activities are important to you or to your goal or to the program, which ones are you going to take advantage of? That all becomes part of the statement of purpose, such that the whole thing becomes this wonderful narrative that completely makes sense. And it's very authentic. It's very genuine. And it would allow you to show your passion and interest in the field and in the program. I think one thing you have to be careful about, a lot of individuals going into psychology were motivated by a family member who had a mental health issue that they witnessed. And, you know, therefore they want to help others who went through that kind of experience or they themselves had a mental health issue. And that's the one you have to be careful of because universities all over the country are spending so much money expanding their mental health clinics because of all the issues students come to campus with. So you don't necessarily want to add to that by you know, bringing attention to some condition you had. Sometimes you can, and especially if you totally overcome it and you can explain the situation in a, a quick paragraph. But it's a little 
risky in the sense that then you become a risk on their campus as possible. One more person who needs mental health services. Yeah, that's hard too, because I do think that for those people, it probably is a key part of their why, right? For why they are motivated to help other people with this problem. And it also allows them to have empathy. So it really uh depends on your individual situation and how much you can explain and how recovered you are. Right. Right. And and the other experiences that you've had. My my daughter is um, what's called a child life specialist, and she works at Children's Hospital of Los Angeles. And when she first got interested in the field, she applied for, and I wouldn't say when she first got interested in the field, but when she got to the internship age, she applied for an internship. And she was telling me that the orientation was very clear <clears throat> that they don't want to be the place where you work out your issues, mm-hmm. whether it's you know grief, whether it's a bad experience in a hospital previously, they don't want to do that. And I think the same would be true of graduate psych programs. I remember she came home and was telling me all, all about it. So, Right. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. And I, I think it's it's a good thing to flag, right? Even if it's not 100% fair. If it's a family also, member, or, you know, or a friend, mm. that's fine. I had a client recently who had two brothers with autism, and uh, severe, and, you know, real communication issues. And he was going into uh, machine learning graduate programs, and he wanted to get into the field of you know, helping individuals learn through the machine learning process, um, you know, autistic kids. So that's different. And it's easier to discuss in an essay if it was not yourself. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that also it makes the essay about sort of you're, you're, you come off a bit more egalitarian when you're doing something for someone else. Um, Interesting. Any other thoughts on essays? I think as with any essay, you have to show how you stand out from the crowd. What have you accomplished? Um, And through that, it shows your passion. So, you know, there ought to be a history of your interest rather than last minute interest, if at all possible. I think going to, to Karen's point, specifics are critical to strong essays. So if you're going to make a claim about yourself, back it up with an example. Great. Yeah, great, great point. And then the last bit is letters of recommendation. Um, And so how to let, what are you looking for in a letter of recommendation from a psych, for a psych graduate program, right? Because an MBA letter is usually from your boss or someone that worked with you. The STEM letter is usually from a professor or someone that worked with you. Is this also true for psych? Because I feel like um, maybe I'm making, I I am making assumptions here, I'll just say that. But I feel like in STEM, it's maybe a lot more, there's a lot more projects to do. Maybe I'm wrong, Um, but I'm curious kind of what, where does the psych letter come from and what should be in it? You wanna start Karen or you want me to start? You know, if you're applying for a research program and you want to be a professor, then the most important thing is to have letters of recommendation from professors. 
who have uh, can can cite examples of your work in class or in their lab. You know, there are many site classes that have labs. Um, if you want to work in a clinical setting somewhere, then I think you can have a combination of, you know, one professor and internship supervisors or even volunteer supervisors, as long as they too can cite specific examples of work you've done and how you stand out from your peers. Great. Anything to add to that, Linda? I would just add that the recommender needs to know you, know you, you know, not just know you in terms of your character, no letters of recommendation from your grandparents, please. Um, They need to know you in either an academic context, if you're applying for a research position, or in a clinical context, if you're applying to a clinical program. And then they need to include examples that support whatever they're saying about you in their letter of recommendation, much like you need to support, provide examples in your essay, because the specifics are what make it. Many uh, applicants, especially international applicants applying to U.S. schools, tend to think that the higher the level of the person in an in a organization, the better the letter. And that's not true unless the higher person actually supervised your work. Um, the title is less important than that they know your work. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Well, great. And then the last bit that I had is, is there anything specific that psych letters and recommendations should be talking about? I think they should be talking about, you know, interest in a specific field, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, probably communication skills, which are critical in psychology, uh, compassion, empathy, you know, those kinds of things. Those qualities are very, very important uh, in almost all clinical psych fields, to be sure. I don't know, you know, forensic psychology might be a little different. Uh, some of the other you know, more technically oriented uh, psych fields might be a little bit different than it might be more of technical skills that are important to that specific field. Right. If it was, re- you know, if you're, if you want to stay in academia, then uh, somebody who has supervised you in a research uh, process and seeing you, you know, start to finish um, a research paper. Great. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Thank you. And then as we kind of wrap up here, do you each have any parting thoughts about just applying to psych grad programs in general, anything that you feel like we missed? I, I um, think this yeah. world is so stressful these days and <laughs> mental health professionals are so needed and I encourage you to apply. I don't think that says it all. I don't don't think I have anything to add to that other than we do have a free download for you. If you're interested, uh, get your game on prepping for your grad school application. And you can download it from exhibit.com slash GRE snacks two, the number two at the end. And that's exhibit.com slash GRE snacks two. Great. Thank you so much, both of you. This has been GRE snacks hosted by Tyler from Achievable with Linda Abraham and Dr. Karen Ash from Accepted. And Achievable has a great online GRE course you can try for free by visiting achievable.me. And if you like it, be sure to use the code podcast to save 10%.